Hey, it's Deep Focus. This is part two of two parts of this broadcast from 2013, November 18th. Jack DeSalvo, my guest on the topic of drummer Ronald Shannon Jackson. And as I said, this is there's only two parts this week. Usually there's three. This week there are two. And uh, you might want to go back and listen to the first one if you haven't. If you do, you're probably going to want to find out more about Jack DeSalvo if you don't know his work. Uh, check out his website, unseenrainrecords.com, or more specifically, the website of his wonderful label, and uh, tons of great music there. Go and visit there. And if you're Jack, I, I love talking to Jack about music and lots of other things, too. This is a man with a rich mind and spirit. And I uh, hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Let's get started. This is um, part two and to the end of uh, Steep Focus. I recognize this song. So do I, but it, it had so many names. Yeah. bassist always has to do with solo with nobody behind him. <laughs> They're afraid they can't hear him, but of course this isn't an upright bass with no amp in 1958. Right. <laughs> a 
Okay, Shannon's coming in on the on the brushes again. Again. Ramon just seems to be another kind of creature that's evolved for the purpose of playing the electric bass. Right. His hands, the way he engages with that instrument is just phenomenal. Effortless. Yeah. Or so it would appear. Even Shannon's just stopped and uh, watching. <laughs> Definitely. The very 80s uh, headless Steinberg style bass, yeah. yes. And Connie's playing one too. I think his was a owner. Right. And Shannon comes out with the bells. This instrument. It's phenomenal to see this. This is a many-horned instrument with one mouthpiece that was originally used by conductors in, in Central Europe. I heard a different story. That uh, it's called a shalmai. It's East German. Yeah. And I think it was uh, used in parades. And it was an instrument that, like a folk instrument, because you didn't need a it had like a, a mouthpiece that you just blow into. Um, you don't need a particular arm. It was also used by train conductors in the eastern part of Germany, even before it was East Germany, to signal the coming of a train. But that's, that's true too. And yeah, the way you describe the way it's played, it's also because of the closeness and pitches, it's, it's really non-tempered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's playing a major chord or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, uh, we were on tour in East Germany that had been a gift. Someone had given to him. 
I was with him. And, uh, he played it non-stop in the van, I can tell you. <laughs> I bet. It's a phenomenal sight. Somehow, it, you know, it was somehow in tune with what we were playing. Yeah. We were playing I Can Hear is essentially in G, and he got there somehow. <laughs> or was he, or were you guys in tune with him? Because uh, I would think you had more latitude than he did. I guess. But it was an opportunity for him to come out from behind the drums and... Yeah. ...engage the audience in a different way. also had kind of a shamanistic feel to it. He was summoning spirits. <laughs> Without a doubt.
I do wish we had more of that for you. But uh, that is Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society, October 1988 in Warsaw, Poland, behind the Iron Curtain at the Sala Kongresowa, a huge performing arts venue, huge, and uh, filled with enthusiastic people to hear that band. Featuring our guest tonight, John Joseph Jack DeSalvo, <laughs> as he was called by the drummer, the leader of that band, Ronald Shannon Jackson. Yeah. And, uh, oh man, I don't know if you're having the same experience that I'm having, because I got to hear this band and loved hearing this band play night after night, but you're hearing the same music I'm hearing, the same music more or less that those people heard in the room that night. You feeling it? And uh, it's Jack playing guitar. You heard Ramon Puzer with that bass solo. Conrad Mathieu also playing bass. Jeff Lee Johnson also playing guitar. And Shannon Jackson, we got to hear that drum solo. I can remember very clearly having the feeling, listening to Shannon's solos at that time, that it seemed like every other drummer, when they played a solo, and this is an unfair thing to say, but this is how it struck me at the time, <laughs> so I'm going to say it. Every other drummer, it seems, when they were playing a drum solo, they were saying, look at me, I'm playing the drums. <laughs> and Shannon... Was singing. Yeah. Masterful. Yeah, coming from a whole other, whole other place, whole other place, what he was doing. You know what, did you have that same... Absolutely. Absolutely. And like he said, the, the, the voice was the bass drum. That's what he sang through, and the rest was the accompaniment. But he was singing, and that's why it was so musical. At the same time, it had the most ancient roots. The um, you you heard the you know the bump bump bump, but on top the you heard the the polyrhythm, the most primal polyrhythm that you will hear it, you know, still in West Africa. I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, I think it was not more than a couple few years before you joined the band that he traveled through West Africa. Yes, I, I remember him telling stories about that. Any in particular? Yeah, one that I would be be laughed at because of eating left-handed. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, when, you know, you eat with one hand and you uh, clean yourself with the other. Yes. Which is always your left to hand, traditionally. Yeah. Yeah. Something that wouldn't have occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember a rehearsal where Shannon had brought in Aib Deng. Oh, yeah. It was a masterful... Uh, Talking drum. And... Yeah. That... It was just that, you know, two hours of that was uh, a, a life-changing rhythm experience. Yeah. Yeah, they worked together in various formats over the years. Ayub Deng had been part of a lot of Laswell stuff. But, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think they all met through kind of the improv scene. I, he'd been at uh, Creative Music Studio. With Carl Berger. Yeah. Yes. Did That's you, right. you part of that? Did you have any experience with that? I I, I play, I've played and recorded with Carl and knew him, but I had never actually been at the Creative Music yeah. Studio. 
Um, but yeah, Aib was around New York for all that stuff, and uh, they worked together. They did uh, SXL with Shankar, and That's right. uh, yeah. So yeah, they'd recorded together, and yeah, he was he was part of the part of it for sure with Shannon. And yeah, he talked about that. That was he traveled by himself through West Africa. It was not a tour. It was a fact-finding mission, I guess. Yeah, research. Yeah, and yeah, he said that it. Uh, basically affirmed everything that he knew in his bones already. <laughs> I don't remember him saying, yeah, I learned all these new rhythms. I learned, he, you know, he said, yeah, yeah, just... It was an affirmation. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely what he said about that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's in the music. It's in the music. That, once again, let me just tell you, that piece that we played is not... All that music, but most of that music is on a series of four YouTube clips. So you can go and find that. Look, Ronald Shannon Jackson. And again, I will invite you, urge you, get uh, check out all of his commercial releases, of which there are quite a few. The album Red Warrior features our guest, Jack DeSalvo. And look for Jack DeSalvo both in the music and behind the scenes and the Unseen Rain Records label, unseenrainrecords.com. More war stories? Got one more for us? Maybe, you know what, let's talk about, we keep talking around um, the album Red Warrior, and uh, we haven't actually talked too much about the session, and we do have one bonus track from that to play. Uh, I remember it was recorded in two nights, November of... uh, 1988, I think we had just gotten back from that trip to the UK. Yeah. I know that I had a fever of 102. Oi. We recorded in studio. Yes, that's right. Was yeah. It Sorcerer Sound? In Sorcerer Soho? Sound. Yeah. 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 Which fortunately yeah. was pretty close to where I lived at the time. But that's right. I was sick as a dog. We recorded for two nights. Uh, it was produced by Bill Laswell. Jason Corsaro was the engineer. Was the engineer, the legendary engineer who had uh, courted uh, David Bowie and uh, Mick Jagger. And I think we spent most of the first day just getting the sound of Shannon's drums right. Yeah. And I remember he played a little solo, and he came into the, you know, they recorded it. He came to the studio, and Jason played it back, and Shannon said, that's the first time that the sound of the drums sounds the way it sounds when I play them. Yes, and I remember something about Jason there. He had to go out, he made a cassette of it, had to go and listen in his car. Right, right, that's right. Yeah. To see what it would really sound like when people listen to yeah. it. Yeah. Something I remember from that uh, session, which was pretty unusual, and for a moment uh, was a, a bit freaky, is that you know we're, we weren't all in the same room. Shannon was in a drum booth. Right. Um, and in pretty big space. Um, and Shannon had insisted for this one particular tune that we turn the lights out. Yeah. You know, in playing this kind of music where, where some of the arrangements are extemporaneous and you're looking for eye contact yeah. and subtle signals, that's all gone when the lights are out. Yeah, and yeah, you guys were, there were like gobos in between everybody. It was yeah. a weird way yeah. to play. Yeah, oh God, a lot of stuff's coming back to mind about that. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Connie Solo. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Mm. We can only hope. Well, I'll just, in short, there's another album to be made if those individual tracks still exist. The album that came out was not the album, and to my mind, that you guys That's made. Right. Yeah. There's the addition of Stevie Salas on guitar, mm-hmm. talented though he may be. He was not part of that band as far as I was concerned. Right. And there was stuff that was left out. The mix could have been substantially different. I think there was a lot was lost in translation. Still a great record. It was uh, released and then reissued some years later with a very, very different track that had not been on the original release, should have been. (laughs) And uh, what was that? This is something that you heard the genesis of it. It, before where you heard that that con- when when Shannon came out with the Chalmay and what we were playing underneath that uh, but Shannon had always asked me do you have any other instruments interesting instruments so I brought a, a, a round back Neapolitan mandolin to the session and played it on this particular track which eventually became known as Harmelodic Christmas and it was only on the reissue that came out in the Knitting Factory right, label. as if it was a bonus track. Yeah. Yeah. So I hate to say we're going to end with that, because I hate to say we're going to end. But we're going to end with that piece. <laughs> Jack DeSalvo, thank you so much for coming up. Thank you so much, Mitch. This was uh, really a treat. Way overdue. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, just we've been uh, still inspired by Shannon. It's, it's We lost him last month, but the music is still here. Uh, my name is Mitch Goldman. You're listening to WKCR FM New York. And uh, great thanks to Jack DeSalvo and everyone being here. Uh, and this is Harmelodic Christmas, WKCR.